Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good morning for those of you just tuning in here at the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, I am Ben Standig, and I cover the Commanders for The Athletic. I also host the Standig Room only podcast, but I am with you here on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app until 1245. We've already been talking a lot about the Commanders and the NFL draft, and we'll talk more at 1130 with my guy Pete Haley about the Commanders as well. But I, I did want to talk a little bit about the draft uh, again, and, and I've got. To, if you want to call in with your questions, 800-636-1067. We've got some of you on hold. Uh, be patient. I'll get to you in just a quick moment. I mentioned this earlier that uh, NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah held a conference call yesterday with NFL reporters to talk about the draft in theory. I was on the call, asked a question, and chose to ignore the rules. I mean, it's not like you can't ask about things that are outside of the draft. But when I was sitting there thinking, what am I going to ask, Daniel, that pertains to Washington, all I could think of was Sam Howell. Because, look, Daniel Jeremiah and other analysts studied Sam Howell last year. And the the narrative on here is that Washington is turning to a fifth-round pick from the previous draft with one career start, and he is going to be perhaps their starting quarterback. Maybe very likely. That's kind of nuts on the surface, right? How, how do we get here? He wasn't, Sam Howe wasn't even going to start the last game when Washington was eliminated from the playoffs. It was going to be Taylor Heineke. Then a conversation occurred, and they switched it to Sam Howe. We go from that to the favorite to start for this team next year, a team that needs to win. Uh, make the playoffs this year, I would even think, perhaps. How, what, what do we make of that? And that was essentially my question to Daniel Jeremiah. How how do do we go from this is where Sam Howell is to him being potentially one of 32 starting quarterbacks last year? And and what was interesting is in, in his response, well, let me say this, that fifth round pick, that is where he was drafted. For the rest of time, Sam Howe will have been drafted in the fifth round of the 2022 draft unless you have access to other timelines. And, and, and if you do, let me know because I might want to get out of this one, just to be honest. Uh, but there are years where the number one pick, for example, is just an absolute dynamic presence. 
your Peyton Manning type players, right? There are other years where somebody's going to have to go first, second, and third, and it just may not be the most impressive prospects. Somebody has to go first. But it can also go the other way as well. And last year's draft, as we know, all the quarterbacks got pushed way down. The first quarterback was not picked until Kenny Pickett went to the Steelers at number 20. Nobody went in the second round. Then they started coming off the board in the third, Hal in the fifth. That's the way it played out, but that's different than the way they were projected. And what Daniel Jeremiah reminded us of was he looked back at his draft last year, and for him, the Sam Howe was his 48th best prospect in that class. And I don't think he was alone in thinking Sam Howe was a potential second-round pick or worthy of a day-two day two pick. And imagine how we might look at this differently, perhaps, if Sam Howe had been picked in that range. I personally really did like Sam Howe coming out. Um, if they were going to do what they did and not pick a quarterback high in the draft, obviously, by the time they got Carson Wentz, he kind of figured that was going to be ruled out. Uh, Sam Howe, for me, was the one that was the most interesting. He was not – he's not the biggest guy, obviously, but he's got a huge arm. He you know, he is willing to run, and as, as Daniel Jeremiah said, looking at his notes here, he said, quote, when I go back through my notes with, with Howe last year, thick, sturdy. He has quick feet. He can drive the ball. He is a physical runner. Love the t- the toughness. Says he though he just locks on at times. Uh, end quote. Meaning you know he's staring, st- basically staring down receivers, um, etc. And and more from uh, from DJ quote. I thought he was a starting caliber quarterback, so I'm not surprised that here we are a year later and he is going to be their starter. I didn't envision that it would have been available to them as late in the draft as it was, meaning how would be available to him. But but he continues, quote, but I am bullish on him. I think he has a chance to be a good player. I think we'll see. I think that the league missed on that one, allowing him to far to fall as far as they did, end quote. Obviously, it's one opinion, but that's a, a pretty good one from a guy who's, you know, one of the lead uh, public analysts out there. And like I said, other people like Sam Howell, too, but all the quarterbacks got pushed back. Howell didn't have the best uh, final season in college. I'm not saying that it, it doesn't matter if he's picked in the second or fifth round. He's here, and this is the deal. To say perhaps, even for myself, from a perception standpoint, maybe it looks a little bit different if he's a day, a, a day two quarterback versus round five, even though, as I said, I think it's intriguing. I just still sort of baffled that Washington is accepting that a guy with one career start, regardless of where he was picked, is going to be their guy. Um, let's go to the calls here. We've got another quarterback topic here on the line. Mitch in New Jersey wants to talk Lamar Jackson. Mitch, you're on 1067 The Fan. What's going on? Good morning. How's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. First of all, this this commercial should be no-brainer. You should make uh, Bezos. Or I'll get rid of uh, Mr. Snyder there. He's terrible. He's, he's got the Clipper owner there, and I'm a fan of the Clippers. So I know I think I know what I'm talking about a little bit at least. Um, I like Sam Howell. I thought that was a good draft choice. But as you know, it looks like Lamar. You know, I don't know what's wrong with Baltimore. Uh, maybe they're taking a page from uh, some teams that we know. If they're going to win the trade, Lamar, I don't want to see him go to Jets because he'll never win there. What about the Commanders trade their first round pick and Sam Howell? You bring Lamar, and maybe one of those tight ends will be there. Do we have a second-round pick? I'm not sure because that Carson Wentz, that was a disaster. I could have told you that wasn't going to work out. 
Um, yeah, okay, so let's talk about Lamar Jackson, Mitch. I appreciate the call. So they do, first of all, the Commanders do have a second-round pick. They, they lost their third round. Uh, Wentz did not play enough for that third to convert to a second, so, you know, there's something to celebrate. Um, okay, so first of all, let's just even say the Ravens are were willing to entertain trading Lamar Jackson. It would cost way more than a first-round pick and Sam Howell. You, you look at the, the, the deal the Seahawks made last year to Denver with the Broncos acquiring Russell Wilson. I think it was like two firsts, two seconds, and like a bushel of players. Nobody like spectacular, but usable players went back in that deal. And that's for a quarterback in Russell Wilson, who still at that moment in time was viewed as a you know high-end starter, but an older guy. Here you have Lamar Jackson, while he's been had injuries that have cost him games late in each of the last two seasons, you know, on the surface, he is one of the you know, most impressive quarterbacks out there. I, again, let's just say the Ravens are even willing to trade him, that this is a possibility because obviously this, these negotiations have become, I don't know if they've become uh, contentious yet, but it feels like that's on the horizon. It feels like tension is going to start rising here. And the challenge in part is because Lamar Jackson does not have an agent so there's no buffer between the team talking. They got to talk directly to, to Lamar Jackson, basically. And, you know, these negotiations can get tricky in a lot of ways because you're having to point out, you know, pros and cons of the individuals. Well, let's just say it gets we reach that point where the Ravens are like, you know what? Forget this. We're moving on. We, we just can't make this work. And let's even say that whether it's Dan Snyder or whoever a new owner might be, is all in on getting Lamar Jackson. That they're willing to give up all the picks, pay all the money. Uh, a main sticking point, it seems, is Lamar Jackson wants fully guaranteed contract. The same deal that Deshaun Watson got in Houston. Typically, as we know, there's no real fully guaranteed contracts. Uh, NFL owners are, are peeved at the Browns for giving Watson that deal and that's making it more complicated for others, including perhaps the Ravens. I will promise you this. I haven't talked to Steve Bashotti, the Ravens owner. I haven't talked to John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach. I None of that stuff. This is not like insider information or anything like that. There is 0.0% chance they're trading him here. If you're going to trade Lamar Jackson... We can debate should they trade him out of the AFC or not. Like, obviously, Washington would be out of the AFC. And because, you know, the the, the reasoning being, you, if you're going to trade this person who's really good, you don't want them being in your way as you're trying to get into the playoffs and, and, and perhaps the Super Bowl. But there's also, this is also a business, right? And there's always these maps that show who are the most popular football players or athletes or snacks, whatever it is, in the various states, right? Now, I don't know how accurate these things are. You look at some of these results, and you're like, really? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think that's accurate, but okay, whatever. But whenever it's the topic is who is the most popular football player in a given state, the answer in Maryland, and often even in Virginia, is often Lamar Jackson. Understandable. Super fun, exciting player, dynamic, highlight reel galore. And he is he you to trade him from Baltimore to the Commanders means 
you would only be you'd be sending him 30 minutes down on 95. I promise you as a business, the Ravens are not doing that. They're not going to have a guy whose whose name is all over jerseys uh, that, that people wear to uh, MNT Bank Stadium on game day to then all of a sudden be down the road here. That's not going to happen. Now, that's not even factoring in that we don't know that if Dan Snyder would be willing to spend the kind of money that it would take uh, to, to get Lamar Jackson. It feels like there's a bit of a, a budget uh, budget tightening right now as he's looking to sell the team, which is not unusual, I think, in these circumstances. Though, obviously, historically, you would think Dan, uh, Dan Snyder would be all over a chance to get a Lamar Jackson. Um, so there's that factor, too. I, I, I would be beyond stunned if the Ravens, should they decide, they got to move on from Lamar Jackson, that they would allow him to come to the team right down the road so all the fans, because that's the thing also, right? I am not this way because I'm an old guy, and as an old guy, you grew up rooting for teams. The players were there. You had favorite players, but the team was always the thing. I do feel like this younger generation – is more about the individuals that the players move and the, but that the loyalty stays there rather than with a team definitively. You see this a lot in the NBA, of course, with like LeBron James as he's moved around. I think a lot of people would leave the Ravens fan base and become Lamar Jackson fans over here and get that burgundy and gold number eight or whatever he would wear. Both the, the Ravens organization is not doing that. They're obviously going to try to keep him one way or the other, but beyond that, he's not coming here. No way I could see that happening. Uh, plenty more to discuss. We'll get to it. Maybe even talk a little bit about some Wizards next. Blew another lead late. Oy vey, the Wizards. Uh, we'll get to the, we'll get to all that here on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standig here. Uh, with you until 1245, talking to Pete Haley from NBC Sports at 1130, getting back into some of the commander's stuff. I was about to get into some ownership um, thoughts. Uh, Caitlin, I was just looking at Twitter, and CNN just put out this tweet that says, a Japanese company is offering tourists the chance to fly into the second layer of Earth's atmosphere by balloon. Okay, Uh First of all, I, I don't know. What, I mean, look, and it's for, for four hours, I think it's $178,000. Now, the pictures are stunning because you're, you're you're looking down, basically, at the planet and, you know, unbelievable. I, I Obviously, even just to get into a rocket, an enclosed deal, that would be a bit scary, I would say. Oh, terrifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to do it. And it looks like it's a balloon the way you would think you see other hot air balloons. That, to me, I would be so petrified the entire time. I couldn't even, I personally would struggle to stand up to look over anything. Because, like, it's you and then there's 10,000 feet below or whatever it is under normal circumstances. To go even higher than that, to the second layer of the Earth's atmosphere, you I forget paying them. You could not pay me uh, any money amount of money to do something like that. I'm kind of down, honestly. But you're I'd in. Do it. I'd do it. Cause you know, like I, I love space. Like that is like my ultimate fascination. Um, 
So I would love to, but I'm too scared to do, like, if we ever commercialized space travel and we were bringing people to the moon, I would love to, but I do not have, like, the courage in me to go all the way up there. But I feel like the second layer of the atmosphere is the perfect compromise. I'd do it if I had the money. But in a balloon? (laughs) Like, cause like, like we talk about Jeff Bezos, like he's one of these guys that's built these rockets and it's taking people up, 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 up. And then they come back down after a couple hours. But again, you know, I'm not saying there's like a flight attendant on board giving you uh, snacks, but like, you know, you're at least in an enclosed space in a balloon. Oh no, I could not do this. New tinfoil hat take. Uh, Jeff Bezos buys the commanders and takes Sam Howell to the moon. Well, I know he's not taking him to a steakhouse because Sam Howell doesn't do that. Uh, that would be wild. But by the way, here's the thing now. If you if I had seen this ad a month ago or this story a month ago, everything I just said would be this would be my take. But now, you know, the, the US military just shot down a balloon. God, I think I'd be a little nervous that like, you know, somebody gets it, you know, somebody's on there on the ground looking up in a telescope. Oh, here we go again, another balloon, and now all of a sudden, you know, here comes you know Tom Cruise and in Top Gun and his people, you know, looking to shoot you down. I, I I'm not saying that's necessarily what's going to happen. You would think that there's some sense of how what's going on up there, but now that's in that's in play. It, you know, mo- multiple things have gotten shot down, so I'm all the way out. You, I couldn't be more out on this one. What a deal. Well, good luck to to the Caitlins out there who are willing to do that. It's only one hundred seventy eight thousand dollars. You know, I'm sure I'm sure people got that there. You can do a GoFundMe. You know, starting now, everyone, you can donate to my space journey. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're we're gonna have to work on that. I, by the way, I should say I think I'm on here Saturday mornings for the next three weeks in a row. So maybe maybe we will have to start a week each week discussing uh, where we're at here with with Caitlin's fun to go in a balloon to the second layer of Earth's atmosphere. Uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, I, I don't think I always think it would be fascinating with regards to ownership. If it really comes down to this idea that Dan Snyder is only going to sell if the the number reaches a certain point, whether that's you know seven billion, six billion. And we hear that like people are willing to pay, say, five and a half billion. Let's just throw that out there. If you did a GoFundMe, would the fans chip in enough to get it done? Now, that would still be half a billion dollars. I don't even know like what the math would be on that to say if everybody donated 20 bucks, wh- how many people does it take to get there? But I would bet I would bet to, if somebody started that and don't do this because, you know, we don't need anything shady going on. Like, you know, we don't, we don't need money going somewhere. You know, we don't, you know, we don't need to help pay billionaires to give other billionaires money. That said, I would be fascinated to know what how much money could be raised. Could you get a half a billion dollars if that was the get the gap? Could you get that done? I I don't know about that much, but I would love to know the actual amount. Well, what would be your guess? How much money do you think that people would actually be willing to collectively put in to uh, to 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 make it up for Dan Snyder to sell? I mean, to be honest, I I would I would hope nobody would donate just because again, like please don't <laughs> help a billionaire become a bigger billionaire. Um, but I mean, I could see it happening because people are just so frustrated with the situation. I mean, honestly, like maybe like 500 mil or 
maybe 50, like something in the millions, but I don't think people would be able to reach the billions. Like 500 million is very generous anyway. Like, oh, it, it, <laughs> insane, insanely generous. But that's where we're at. I, I, I bet there are some people out there that you said, here's the deal pay your electric bill, pay that if you, or if you skip it and give the money here, Dan Snyder's out. People say, you know what? I've been living in the cold for all this time as a football fan. I'll just do it for real. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll go, if I have to, I'll go, you know, get the extra blanket, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I could, I could see that. By the way, today would be, it would be a, a particularly tough day with no heat. It is cold outside. I, I think it's supposed to snow or something. It look actually, I look at right now, there is something coming down. It doesn't look like it's an accumulation deal, which is good because my car's on the street and I don't need to be dealing with that in a little bit. Um, what I do need to be dealing with this with though is our guy Pete Haley from NBC Sports. He's going to join me next. He was at Ashburn with me on Thursday. Got a look at the Eric Bieniemy show. What did he think? Where does this team go from here? We'll get to that next on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back to 1067 The Fan. Ben Standig here. Uh, we are here until 1245. I'll take your calls after. Well, I'll take your calls a little bit later in the show at 800-636-1067. Steve Wino from the AP will join me at the top of the hour to see what the Capitals are up to. But right now, joining me is my guy from the Commander's Beat, Pete Haley with NBC Sports Washington. And Pete joins us. On the BetQL guest hotline, sports betting has come to Maryland. Pete knows about that. Uh, Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. As I said, Pete Haley at Pete Haley NBCS joins me. Of course, one of the voices on the Washington talk Washington football talk podcast my guy how are you on this uh cold and kind of snowy Saturday what's going on here morning Benjamin yeah I'm looking outside my window and I'm seeing a few snow flurries fall and hey Pete hold, hold on one sec you we, we I happens to me all the time it sounds like uh you know you're calling in with the demon voice or whatever uh Caitlin's gonna talk to you and see what we can do about that um yeah, I've had that happen to me before here on the on when I've called in as a guest. Very, who knows what goes on with these phone lines? It's all it's all wacky stuff. I, I'm not a uh, golfer per se, but I would think you know Saturdays. This is like you want to hit you going on to get out to the links, and you and usually you know even this time of the year, there's probably opportunities to do that. And I imagine Pete would be out there if he wasn't talking to us. I don't know how many people are out there today. I mean, I guess. You know, if you're if you're if you're a crazy golfer, you're gonna go out there. Um, but I do want to ask Pete, of course, what he thought of the Eric Bieniemy situation. Pete, let's see how if you got the demon voice or your usual uh, sunny, optimistic voice. How does this sound, Ben? Is it any better? It is significantly better. Um, you know, this is what people are hoping. You know, it's like people are hoping that Eric Bieniemy will be significantly better than what was going on here the last three years. So I'm glad we worked that out. Um, Thanks for joining me. Uh, Eric Bieniemy. I, I talked about this a lot throughout the show, initial impressions, things like that. What for you stood out about the Eric Bieniemy show that we got to see on Thursday? Yeah, when you talk about comparing Bieniemy oh, to boy. the past, 
Pete, I don't know what is happening here, but it it, it went away again. Uh, I'll let Caitlin uh, try to figure out what's going on with the lines here. And, and uh, I know, Caitlin, I've had what I've called in before. Sometimes that makes a difference, but I don't know. Who knows what goes on with these lines? Um, one thing that, you know, now that the Eric Bannamy deal is done, and hopefully we'll get Pete back on and we can discuss um, what he thinks are the next steps. You know, obviously Eric Bannamy is working to put his staff together. Washington at this point has made, there's a couple of changes coming. Uh, senior offensive assistant Jim Hostler is out. Wide receiver coach Drew Terrell is leaving the organization. We, th- The reporting out there has been that he'll go to the Arizona Cardinals in some role, but that's not been announced, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the question then, of course, becomes, well, who's replacing them and what else is happening? As I said earlier, we've been light on specifics, or we were light on specifics with Biennemi and, and also with Ron Rivera on what was happening uh, in terms of the staff, but there's been a couple of interviews. Uh, I think it's Tavita Pritchard, who's the offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach at Stanford. He has been interviewed. It looks like he may come on board, presumably, you would think, to become the quarterback coach. Maybe that means Ken Zampezi goes over to replace Hostler. We'll see. They've also been interviewing uh, Greg Lewis, the Chiefs running back coach, but he was an NFL wide receiver and was a wide receiver coach. Maybe he's the easy replacement there for Drew uh, Terrell. All right, Pete, let's try this one more time. How uh, how are we doing here? Ben, I'm scared to talk. How do I sound? So far, so good. I would say I would knock on wood, but I'm sitting at a not a, it's like a granity kind of a table, so I can't knock. But uh, you know, okay. hopefully, hopefully we're good. Okay. Well, um, as you asked. Do I still sound okay? This is the last time I'll check. You're good. We're we're we're, we're okay. moving we're moving forward on on to Cincinnati. I'm so sorry to derail your morning show, but we're good now. Okay. So as you asked, initial impressions. We're going to compare the enemy to Scott Turner naturally. And when one approach doesn't work in a coach, then you probably try and go to the opposite end of the spectrum. And I think with Scott, he was a little more soft spoken, maybe a little more of a of a uh, just calmer coach we didn't hear him a ton when we were standing on the sidelines uh coaching guys yelling at guys getting guys fired up and that's not to say that style can't work it's worked for plenty of people but scott's more just regular kind of measured style maybe wore a little stale and now we're getting the enemy who in that presser on thursday when i was asking my question i was afraid if i stumbled he was going to make me get up and do like 50 push-ups or like challenge me to like a, a boxing match or something like he was really intense really into it just had more of a a strong presence and it's necessary for these players to be able to handle that I I think Terry McLaurin Jahan Dotson and Brian Robinson can handle tough coaching but it will be an adjustment compared to Scott Turner but regardless I really liked how he acted and the answers he gave and just the confidence he's entering this job with I think that's going to be necessary and Yes, it's not going to come down to him completely or even primarily. It's going to be more about Sam Howell and the offensive line upgrades. But in terms of an offensive coordinator, I think he is the absolute best-case scenario for this team, and it's a really good step. You know, Eric Bieniemy and I would probably also say Jack Del Rio are sort of like central casting where of, of a football coach in terms of the energy and the intensity. And if you look at them the wrong way, you're like, oh, boy, 
Am I about to be in trouble? And we're on the beat. We're all a bunch of goofballs. So I, I, we should almost maybe like make a bet next year. Like who is going to be the first reporter that is told by one of those guys to do push-ups? Like I, yeah, see, yeah. I, I, I think Del Rio has gotten used to us and is at least, you know, not that he enjoys being around us, but at least understands and maybe shares one or two chuckles per week. But the enemy, we might have to have like PR pull him aside and give a briefing on like, hey. They, they mean well. Sometimes they get a little goofy. Sometimes they do bits. But for the most part, they're nice people. Please, when Ben asks you a question, don't go over there and put him in a chokehold because no one's going to go over to rescue him. I think that will be a necessary chat that we can have maybe in training camp. Yeah, the nobody coming to rescue me is definitely a very key point there for sure. <laughs> um, uh, we're talking with Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington. So, okay, so Biennemi gives that energy off, and I think you can tell the, it resonated with the players. He quote-unquote won the press conference – Fine. Now what comes next? I, I was saying that, look, this was a press conference light on specifics. I really have, other than saying it's sort of a West Coast offense, I don't really have a feel for what an Eric Bieniemy offense is or what they're, what the actual plan is going to be at quarterback beyond, like, Sam Howell. They want competition. I think it'll be a vet. Does it, I guess, does it? did it bother you at all that if things were kind of light on specifics or hey it's day one and i wasn't expecting much anyway probably more of the latter and this is a bit of inside baseball slash inside football but for people who are watching that presser or have heard clips and wondered why it wasn't a little more football I, I don't know if this is the case for you ben but for me it was an interesting layer to have the players right there in front of you so like with the enemy at the podium it would have been kind of weird to ask hey what do you think about sam howell when Sam Howell is sitting two seats to your right and one row in front of you, normally when it's you and a coach and you want to ask about a player, it's just you and the coach and the reporters. So the coach can be a little more forthright. You can be a little more forthright, but with the almost like half of the offense there, basically a lot of the starters, it just felt a little odd to really try and get into uh, the specific strategy and thoughts on player evaluation because those guys are present. But yeah, I think the West coast, thing um definitely stood out the competition aspect about how stood out it was light on specifics but it just felt more like a day of celebration and, and a day of welcoming um i do think some of the little hints that ron Rivera dropped in terms of using the terms like getting the ball to our playmakers quicker and, and throwing dart passes and screen passes and jet sweeps like that's all good to hear i hope they follow through on that because we heard from scott turner in the past when we'd ask him about Terry not being involved, he'd say, yeah, we're, we're going to do that. We're going to get more of these quicker throws, and we just didn't see it. But hopefully the enemy has more of that wherewithal. I mean, he came from a Chiefs offense that just pelted his best players with targets. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and those guys, they never left the game without just being involved from start to finish. So that would be really good for that philosophy to carry over to Terry and Jahan and you know some of those guys in the passing game uh, just so – Every Sunday when you leave the fourth quarter, you look at the stat sheet and you feel like, all right, even if we, we win or lose, regardless, we went down trying to get our best guys the ball. Oh, uh, So, as you said, there were a lot of players in the front row. By the way, for sort of that uh, more inside baseball deal, the microphone, as you might imagine, somebody starts has the microphone and then gets passed around. I was seated two seats to the right of where the mic started, but then it went left. By the time it got back to me, there had probably been, I don't even know, 30 questions asked. And, and we and we all have some questions we go into this with. By the time we got to that, I was like, oh, man. And all I kept thinking was, wait, I can't ask this or this or this because, like you said, 
the players are right in front of me. I can't ask about Brian Robinson. Antonio Gibson is sitting literally directly in front of me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it became funny on that on that regard. Um, but Sam Howe was there. I don't know if you had a chance to uh, to be in one of the scrums or, or talk to him, but it was the first time we've been around him since the notion that he could potentially be the starter came up. And I think, you know, he seemed to be obviously excited about that. I talked about this earlier. I'm still surprised that this is where we're at. What what was your mm-hmm. I don't I don't again I don't know if you talked to Hal, but what's your what was your impression of him and also just where are you at now with this idea that it really could be Sam Howell starting week one? I wasn't in the Howell scrum, I was with McLaurin and then bouncing around, et cetera. But yes, I'm right there with you sitting there. Beyond thinking about Eric the enemy, the one thought I kept coming back to was we're all excited about this, we're all ready for this, and it's probably gonna be Sam Howell at quarterback. Like it's Ron Rivera's giant pivotal fourth year Eric Bieniemy's coming here risking his career to leave Kansas City to join this team and in all likelihood they're all going to be putting their eggs in the Sam Howell basket and it's a basket I'm I'm fine with them trying but like also my job security isn't necessarily tied to how many wins this team gets so I even if they try and bring in a Brissett or a Case Keenum or somebody like that you know I think Sam Howell will be the starter and wow that's going to be I mean, this isn't breaking news here, but that's going to be an enormous drop-off for Biennemi from his last quarterback. And for Rivera, who's tried Fitzpatrick and Wentz and at least had Heineke, like, now this is where you're at? This is who you believe in? A guy who you didn't really want to put in the lineup, and then he has one good game against the Cowboys, and we're all acting like he was the prized passer all along. It's just funny how the messaging has changed, and it could all very well work out. And if it does, it'll clearly be an enormous boost for this franchise to have a young quarterback, a young cheap quarterback, a quarterback who can run, a guy with a big arm. Like There are tantalizing things about Sam Howell, but it's not like we saw them for eight games. We saw them for one game in January, and it looks like that's just what we're all rolling with. So it's, it is shocking to me. Not shocking because I know they don't have any avenues to get a really established quarterback. It's very hard to do that. The veterans aren't going to be made available. It's just going to be Wentz and similar people. But still, for this team with Terry McLaurin in his prime and Jonathan Allen and this big defense, like everyone at some point is going to have to turn their attention to Sam Howell and say, go win us some games. And that is just a huge, scary proposition right now. Yeah, I mean, having Sam Howell, if he is a starter, and assuming they don't spend that much on the second quarterback – it's a huge savings from a salary cap perspective, and they can use that money on, you know, whatever else, keeping Deron Payne, getting offensive linemen. But quarterbacks are kind of important, Pete. Uh, you know, breaking news there as well. So that's a huge risk that they are taking. Um, but ultimately, going back to the principles here, meaning Bienemy and Ron Rivera, you know, they've got a lot riding on this. But Bienemy's story goes well beyond just coming to Washington. And Ron Rivera, you look, this is a massive year for him, his fourth year here with ownership potential changes. Who knows what that means? The question of the day that I had here for the callers was, who has more pressure, do you think, this year? Ron Rivera or Eric Bieniemy? So I'll put that to you. Who do you think has yeah. more pressure on them this coming season? That is, you know, Ben, this is why they put you in that radio seat. You come up with really good questions. That's why I enjoy chatting with you on and off the record. But um, I would say... The enemy, because Ron, his resume is 
largely written at this point. He's at the back end of his career. He's been a head coach for double-digit seasons. And, of course, he would like to improve the record and and leave Washington with a a good taste in his mouth and leave Washington with a good impression on fans. But, like, I don't know. I I think Ron Rivera, he's playing 18 holes of golf. His coaching career is on, like, the 16th hole. The enemy is trying to get on the course. And he's done quite a bit as an offense coordinator. But now uh, all that will be probably null and void if he comes to Washington and fails And this could be the peak of his career like in terms of of climbing that ladder we know that there's a lot working against him and if he has a bad season in Washington I'm sure the people who are in power who doubted him are going to doubt him even further so I think this is really really the most pressure on him and it also goes to the ownership situation like Ron is it pressure if you know like I don't know if he's facing a ton of pressure because we sort of feel like potentially he's just gone after this year no matter what it's almost like he's a he's just a empty like man at this point it, it, there's not a ton riding on it unless he has a ridiculous season when this owner comes in what are the odds that ron does something that's so great that convinces the owner to keep him around so for all those reasons i'll say the enemy's got the most riding on this year and him and sam howell are in a strange marriage and hopefully for the both of them it works out um, all right, in the last couple seconds here, a minute or two that I have you here, let's expand beyond the press conference and the enemy and so on. Uh, the, the NFL draft, the NFL combine is next week, so that puts more of a focus back on the draft. Free agency is coming up here pretty quick. Deron Payne is obviously the big topic here. It seems like they're going to put the franchise tag on him from what I've heard and others have reported as well. Um, but they've also got to build up the offensive line. They've got to decide they bring back a Cole Holcomb. Are they who are their cap cuts? Whatever. What for you is sort of the driving factor here? The thing you're kind of focused on the most as we move past the uh, Eric Bieniemy hire. Payne certainly will make a big difference in terms of what's available to them spending wise. But I'm really intrigued to see the offensive line, and I know they're going to address it, but. Like, how much will they really spend in free agency? I know Orlando Brown's out there. He's definitely the highest uh, compensated potential target. And a lot of the other linemen are maybe older, have injuries, so it won't be huge contracts. But will they be willing to go into that middle tier as opposed to trying to still float around the Eric Flowers, Andrew Norwell? Like, Isaac Ciamalo, the guard for the Eagles, is going to be available. He can probably make 20 or $30 million. It's not going to be Orlando Brown money, but he's definitely going to be way more than sort of the cheaper guys they've been targeting in the past. So will they open up their wallets a bit in the free agency with veteran linemen, and then will they try and double down and go with one of those guys in the first round too? I think the offensive line, if I was in charge and, and you're looking for the next sort of way to build a team in the draft or, or the next cutting-edge uh, idea in the NFL, not that this is super cutting-edge, but I would just go draft, make my draft like eight out of ten players out of the offensive linemen, just have two ways of guys because injuries up front can derail everything, can completely limit your skill, guys. So I would just throw a lot of money at some veterans and then backfill with first, second, third, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders and make sure that I'm never running out of offensive linemen. Um, just to wrap it up here with the pain, uh, Deron Payne, obviously we all sort of get the deal. They're either going to use the tag, which at a minimum keeps them around most likely for next season. They could, in theory, come up with a long-term deal. We'll see if Dan Snyder is down for putting that guaranteed money into escrow if, 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 you know, as long as he still owns the team. They could also trade him. I, I feel like the one thing about the trade that's not being discussed enough is even if he moved on, they still have a, a really good defensive line with John Allen, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Fidarian Mathis is coming back. They could obviously add 
somewhere some some more help along the way. So it's one of those rare deals where you would weaken a strength that they have with with Payne and Allen. Yet simultaneously, if you get other stuff that you can use, perhaps build out the team more. What do you, where are you at ultimately at this point? Do you want to keep that strength with Allen and Payne, whether it's the tag or a long term deal, or are you down with you know what? Maybe the best move is to trade him because it's just it's a lot of money they're investing in the defensive line and they need. Uh, more uh, assets uh, in other places. My only counter to still being a strength with pain gone is like the previous couple years before this past one, the D line was always hailed as a strength, but it never fully lived up to it. And I think this year it got its best reviews from people like us and, and analysts. And I think that's because Duran Payne was so dominant and having him and Allen together every single week elevated it. That being said, I think it's going to be a franchise tag or let him walk. I don't see a long-term deal. I'm not, not sure how it works with Snyder. I'm not sure if Payne would really be up for that. I think they should keep Payne for a year, especially with Ron. If he's going with Sam Howell, he's going to want as many known parts around him. Um, but I just think giving a long-term deal also from, from the team's perspective, I don't know how many teams give two giant uh, contracts to their interior alignment. You, you see it with one, but I don't know how many, if any, have two. And it just seems like locking up a ton of money in the interior. Yes, that's an important area. But if you have Mathis and you can find like another Tim Settle type in the fifth round, then I think letting Payne go can be an option. But I predict franchise tag. It may not be the happiest solution, but keeping him here for one more year at a decent rate and then letting him walk next season gives you a little more time to build a succession plan and a little more time to enjoy the fruits of drawing Payne's labor. See, this is why, you know, Pete Haley is more than just a pretty face at Pete Haley NBCS on Twitter. <laughs> a valuable voice on the commander's beat should be there. Uh, for a long time if the world is just my guy i appreciate it enjoy the rest of your day the snow has been coming down since we've spoken here so uh i don't know what this means for your plans but hope hope they're not wrecked yeah not many plans but uh thank you for saying i'm a valuable voice when i started this uh segment having a scary horrific (laughs) voice that almost forced you to hang up on me so i'm glad we really made these past 20 minutes work and have a good rest of the show pal awesome man i appreciate it uh pete haley does a great job uh covering the commander's uh, we have got plenty more to discuss. We'll talk where the caps are going at the top of the hour. Stay tuned to hear Ben Standig on 106.7 The Fan. All right, quick segment here. We're going to talk Capitals and Eric Bannamy at the top of the hour with my guy Steve Wino from the Associated Press. Look, I'm not your go-to source for for caps. So trust me, we're not going to, I'm not going to give you X's and O's on that per se. But I will just say that like, it's interesting to see how they're going about things, uh, recognizing they're not in the mix this year for the postseason per se, and how the Wizards have been operating with the same ownership. The, the, we will never ever tank team versus the team that they're not tanking, but they're recognizing that, that there's like a bit of a rebuild going on here. Capitals, to me, are they're doing it the right way. The Wizards are being hampered, not at the moment per se, but historically, by the same owner who is unwilling to give any impression that they're not trying to win at all times. That's frustrating. That's somebody who cares more about the basketball side than the hockey side. But Steve Wino, he cares a lot about the hockey side. He knows what he's talking about. We'll talk about all that, get his feel for what, what, what the Capitals just did. Um, in their trades moving on from Dimitri Orloff and Garnett Hathaway, who I still heard here in an ad uh, earlier during this show. We'll get to that. 
right up next here on 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 